Well, we've been making our way verse by verse through the Gospel of John, and today we are once again in John chapter 1. We encourage you uh, there in your Bibles to turn to John chapter 1 this morning, and we are going to be blessed with what God has to teach us today. Normally, having finished the first chapter last week, we would move on to chapter 2, but I really believe the Lord Jesus Christ has something important he wants to share with us today before we move on to that second chapter. So we'll be taking a final look today at John chapter 1. We're calling this series, Come and See. We've invited you over the past month and a half or so to begin coming and seeing Jesus Christ in all his splendor because there is no one in this world more amazing than Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Well, last weekend, my wife Christine and I were down the hill with our daughters uh, visiting Christine's mom. She lives in Brea there in Orange County. And uh, she and our daughters took uh, Christine's mom, grandma, out to lunch for Mother's Day. And so we were down there, and I was spending a good chunk of the day with Christine's dad. As many of you know, uh, Randy was diagnosed with brain cancer back in December. And so he's been battling brain cancer over the past five months or so. And so as I was there with Randy, something really amazing happened that I knew I needed to share with you today. You see, Randy, the, the way those tumors are situated in his, in his brain, his short-term memory has really been affected. And so he has a really hard time remembering what he did yesterday, stuff that happened last week. Uh, but a lot of those long-term memories, they're locked in. Amen. And so I was talking to him about impact. He asked how the church was doing. And so I was talking to him about our new location here in Apple Valley. And I was talking to him about our new message series, Come and See. And as I was talking to him about Come and See, he had a story that he remembered that was as clear as a bell to him about his brother-in-law's mom. His brother-in-law, Tom, his mom died in 2015. We'll call her Grandma Liz. Grandma Liz died at the age of 90. And one of the things that Grandma Liz loved to do, I learned from my father-in-law, was to share the message of Jesus. She loved to tell people about Jesus. And so he was telling me this story when she was in her later years. Her husband died uh, 10 years before she passed herself. And so for the last 10 years of her life, she was living on her own. And she wasn't in the best of health. Uh, She had to walk with a walker. But she still wanted to get exercise so she would walk through her neighborhood. Her favorite thing to do is to tell people about Jesus. And so many seniors get a little embarrassed using their walker in public, but not Grandma Liz. You see, Grandma Liz decided if she has to use a walker, she might as well use it for Jesus. Amen? And so she got herself a little bike horn. Like this. She got herself a little bike horn and she put it on her walker. And then she took some gospel tracks and put them in the little pouch of her walker. And she would walk around her neighborhood, and Grandma Liz knew that there was a certain spot on the route where there was a bus stop. And as she went by that bus stop, it didn't matter what time of the day it was, normally there was at least one or two people there at the bus stop waiting for their bus. And so Grandma Liz would be coming with her little walker up behind him. Most of the time they were distracted, didn't notice her coming. So as she came up behind them, she would all of a sudden go, (laughs) scaring them half to death. Some of these people are jumping out of their skins when they hear this horn, and they turn around to give her a piece of their mind, but as soon as they see who it is, a sweet little gray-haired lady with her walker, they can't be mad at her. So she had already broken the ice as they turned around and saw who was honking at them, and so she began to tell them about Jesus. She would reach into her little pouch, and she would hand them a track, 
and tell him about her favorite person in the world, Jesus Christ. And one of her favorite tracks I learned from my father-in-law had this title on the front of that track. It said, I am living forever. Ask me how. Think about that. I'm going to live forever. Ask me how. And she would hand that to him. And word on the street is, over the years that Grandma Liz did this, there were a number of people that right there at the bus stop bowed their heads and prayed to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. Praise God for Grandma Liz. What a wonderful example to all of us. Near the end of the book of John, John answers an important question. Some people wondered, John, why did you write your gospel account? Matthew, Mark, and Luke had already written their gospel accounts. There are three gospel accounts that are going to make it into the New Testament. Why do you see the need to write a fourth? Why, John? And John answers that important question in John chapter 20, verse 31. He writes, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have what? You may have life in his name. That was John's purpose in writing his gospel account. He wanted you to believe that Jesus is the Christ and the Son of God, and that by believing you could have life in his name. He wanted me to believe that Jesus is the Christ and the Son of God, and that by believing I could have life in his name. He wanted every one of your friends and family to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing they could have life in your name. Do you believe that? Do you believe that's what John wanted? And more importantly, do you believe that's what Jesus wanted for the world to know who he was and to be given an opportunity to be saved? John wanted more than anything from the very first verse of chapter 1 to set a clear and, and powerful statement for us that Jesus is the very Son of God. You notice it in the very first verse of John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We saw there in that very first study in the Gospel of John, we saw that that word, Word, is a translation of the Greek word, Logos. And that word over the centuries had become a very important and powerful word in the Greek culture. The philosophers had taught that that Logos refers to that uncreated divine mind that gives order and meaning to the universe. And so from the very first verse of the first chapter, John is saying that Logos, that divine mind that gives order and meaning to the universe, is none other than Jesus Christ. Amen? Jesus gives meaning to everything. Around us are friends and family members and co-workers and neighbors who wonder, why does my life seem to have no meaning? And in all likelihood, it's because their lives does not include Jesus Christ. Jesus gives meaning to everything. A little bit further down, we see in verse 3 of John chapter 1 that Jesus, in fact, is the creator of heaven and earth. It says, without him, nothing was made that has been made. Jesus is, we find in the next verse after that, verse 4, that he's the source of life and he's the source of light. It says, in him was life and that light, that life was the light of men. Skipping down to verse 14, John reveals there in verse 14 that Jesus, the very Son of God, the creator of the universe, he became flesh. And we saw that that word flesh, you could think of it this way Jesus is God con carne. Jesus is God with meat on, right? He is 100% God, but also 100% man. Jesus Christ is the God man. 
In John chapter 1, as we get a little later in the chapter, we find the testimonies of John the Baptist and Andrew and Philip and Nathaniel, all who testify that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And they make it clear that Jesus is the Christ. He is the promised Messiah from the Old Testament scriptures, the anointed one who would come and save Israel. He is not only those things. Jesus is also the King of Israel, and he is the very Son of God. I'd say that John chapter 1 has a lot of great things to say about Jesus, wouldn't you? How many of you walk away from John chapter 1 and say, this Jesus, he's pretty awesome, right? He's pretty amazing. Think of that. The creator of heaven and earth. The one that gives meaning to absolutely everything and everyone. He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the Son of God. He is the King of Israel. He's all those things. And that's just chapter 1. This is an amazing Savior that we serve. When we merge all of those together, is it any wonder that the first thing Andrew wanted to do when he learned the truth about Jesus is bolt to wherever his brother was and tell his brother Simon, we found the Messiah. Is there any wonder that he wanted to tell his brother about Jesus? Because he just discovered the most amazing person who'd ever stepped foot on this earth. He had to tell his brother. Is it any wonder that Philip, when he discovered the truth about Jesus, the first thing he wanted to do was tell his buddy Nathaniel about Jesus? And he said, come, come. And Nathaniel's like, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Come on, that podunk village, nothing can come out of there that's any good. And remember what Philip said? Come and see. Come and see for yourself. Come and see. That's the first thing he wanted to do. Andrew and Philip had just met the creator of the universe. They had just had a face-to-face encounter with the greatest human being to ever step foot on this planet, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. A team of wild horses couldn't have kept Andrew and Philip from telling their family and friends about Jesus. Would you agree with that? Nothing could stop them from telling people about Jesus. Yet for some odd reason... In our day, many Christians go months, even years, without telling a single person about Jesus. Now, I've got to be honest with you, church. That's something I will never understand. If Jesus is as amazing, if he's half as amazing as John chapter 1 makes him out to me, to be, how can we possibly keep that to ourselves? How can we possibly not tell people about Jesus? In early January, I shared with our church this short sermon clip from the late Dr. Adrian Rogers. He had served for more than 32 years as the senior pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church over in Memphis, Tennessee. Many of you haven't seen this clip if you weren't with us in January, and so you'll be seeing this for the first time. You'll see why I want to share it with you. It's really powerful. Those of you who have seen this clip, it's worth watching again because it's so good. Take a look. Most of the people in our church, are not active soul winners. That's tragic. You say, but pastor, I give my money. I don't care how much money you give. If you're not endeavoring to bring souls to Christ, you're not right with God. You say, well, I teach. I don't care how eloquently you teach. If you're not trying to bring souls to Jesus, you're not right with God. You say, well, I attend faithfully. I don't care how much you attend. If you're not trying to bring souls to Jesus Christ, you're not right with God. Well, you say, I live a clean moral life. I don't care how circumspectly you walk. 
If you're not endeavoring to bring souls to Jesus Christ, you are not right with God. Andrew Murray said there are two classes of Christians, soul winners and backsliders. You're one or the other. If you don't have a passion to see people come to the Lord Jesus Christ, I wonder if you know the Jesus that I know. I always find that sobering, no matter how many times I watch that. I want to know if it's true for us what was true for his church 20 years ago. He looked at his church there 20 years ago, and he told them, most of the people in our church are not active soul winners. Is that true of us here at Impact? Is it accurate to say that most of us are not actively sharing our faith with others, not handing out a single gospel tract, not inviting a single person to church? I wonder. He goes on to say, if you're not endeavoring to bring souls to Christ, you're not right with God. I wonder, is that true? I hope not, because if it is true, most of us have a lot of answering to do on Judgment Day. And I'm not saying if you're a Christian and you don't share your faith, you're going to hell. You're secure in Jesus if you are saved. But that doesn't mean we're not going to have some answering to do on Judgment Day. He's going to want to know why we didn't share this amazing message with others. Andrew Murray, he quoted, there are two classes of Christians, soul winners and backsliders. You're one or the other. Is that true? Is it true that there's really no middle ground? If I'm not bringing others to Jesus, does that mean that I myself am straying from Jesus? I wonder. He finally says, if you don't have a passion to see people come to the Lord Jesus Christ, I wonder if you know the Jesus that I know. Is he right to wonder? I can't help but thinking after studying John chapter 1 and preaching on John chapter 1, yeah, he's right to wonder because Jesus is awesome. And once again, that's just the first chapter. We haven't even gotten to Jesus being the good shepherd yet. We haven't even gotten to the part where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We haven't even gotten to the part where he says, I am the resurrection and the life. We haven't even gotten to John 3 yet where he gives the, for God so loved the world verse. We haven't even gotten there yet, and Jesus is amazing, isn't he? He's amazing. Some of you may not have heard some of the, the great news in the high desert in Southern California over the past week. You may not have heard that something monumental and groundbreaking happened in the city of Victorville yesterday. Did you know what happened in Victorville yesterday? There was a big gathering on the brand new bridge that has been dreamed about for decades the Green Tree Boulevard Bridge. Dun, dun, dun. That bridge connects Victorville and Apple Valley. Finally, we have more than two choices to get to Apple Valley. You don't either have to take D Street or Bear Valley Road, which was a street created by Satan. You don't have to take Bear Valley Road or D Street. You've got now another east-west route to, to Apple Valley. And so they've been dreaming about this and talking about it for decades. It's finally open as of this weekend. Isn't that great? That is groundbreaking, but is, I'm happy about that too, but as groundbreaking as that is, it ain't as groundbreaking as Jesus Christ, right? Did you hear the exciting news? Something else that's happened here recently? You know what's going on next weekend? A little something called the San Bernardino County Fair. Ah, it's coming to town, baby. Next weekend going to be here for like eight, nine days. It only happens once a year. And so thousands of people will gather at the fairgrounds and celebrate all the crazy rides that are put together by the carnies. I try to avoid those. But anyways, you do your thing. Eat food that's not anywhere close to being good for you. The fair is coming to town. 
And that's exciting news for many people, but it's not nearly as exciting as Jesus, is it? Not nearly as exciting. Some of you are Lakers fans. You like basketball. Some of you like the Lakers fans. They stunk this year. But after the trade deadline, they, they, they pulled it out of somewhere. I don't know, but they pulled a rabbit out of a hat, and they somehow made it into the playoffs in seventh place, and they won the first two, uh, what do you call it, the uh, series. That's what I couldn't think of. Won the first two series. They made it to the Western Conference Finals. That's a not-so-small miracle. Now, they're getting spanked in the Western Conference Finals, but that's beside the point. They made it to the finals. That is very inspiring. They were a losing team that came alive at the end of the season. That's inspiring. But it's not nearly as inspiring as Jesus, is it? So we look at these things that are groundbreaking, these things around us that are exciting and inspiring, and the fact remains none of that stuff can hold a candle to Jesus Christ. And so if Jesus is so groundbreaking and so exciting and so inspiring, how on earth can we keep this good news to ourselves? How can we keep the good news of heaven to ourselves? I, I, I would say that, that Philip and Andrew, a team of wild horses, couldn't have kept them from telling their family and friends about Jesus. Yet sometimes it's like pulling teeth to get us to tell one person about Jesus. And think about hell. If hell is the worst news in the world, a place where there is no Jesus and no peace and no comfort and no hope and no joy, how can we keep this bad news to ourselves? We don't want anyone to go there, do we? Does anybody want even your worst enemy to go to hell? I don't want, want even Osama bin Laden to go there, as wretched of a man as he was. I don't want anyone to go there because it's horrible. How can we keep that warning to ourselves? In the late 1800s, there was a notorious criminal you may have never heard of. He was over in England. His name was Charles Peace. Charles Peace was a notorious cat burglar that he was evading authorities for years. They just couldn't catch the guy. And Charles Peace was eventually arrested, and it was discovered that before he was arrested, when he was on his crime spree for many years, he had murdered at least two men. And so this murderer and, and, and burglar, Charles Peace, was convicted and executed on February 25th, 1879. And just before his execution, the authorities sent in an Anglican pastor to tell him some words about heaven and Jesus and stuff. And this Anglican pastor obviously didn't want to be there. He didn't care about Charles Peace's soul. He didn't think there was any chance of this man ever repenting. So he half-heartedly reads from a Christian book. And here are the words that that pastor read to Charles Peace on his deathbed. He said, Those who die without Christ experience hell, which is the pain of forever dying without the release which death itself can bring. That's about how inspiring of a reading he gave. And as soon as he said those words, Charles Peace stopped him. And this is what that convicted murderer said in response. He said this, Sir, if I believed what you and the church of God say that you believe, even if England were covered with broken glass from coast to coast, I would walk over it, if need be on hands and knees, just to save one soul from an eternal hell like that. Wow. I think Charles Peace, the convicted murderer, understood John 3.16 better than the Christian pastor did. He got it. If hell is as bad as you Christians say it is, I'd walk over or even crawl over broken glass to tell even one person about it. 
If heaven is as amazing as you Christians say it is, nothing could stop me from spilling the beans about it. That cat would be out of the bag on day one. I couldn't keep it to myself. Charles Peace was right. If we really believe what we say we believe about Jesus and heaven and hell, wouldn't we walk over broken glass to save even a single soul from eternal separation from Jesus and hell? Three months ago, God gave our church a wonderful gift. Three months ago, God opened up the opportunity for us to move right here on Sunday mornings. God opened up a gift and we're sitting in it right now. God opened up the opportunity for us to move away from a building that most people in our valley didn't want to drive to on a Sunday morning. A building on the far side of Victorville. Past a federal, ten, federal penitentiary that's wrapped with literally 70 miles of razor wire. Half mile up through a ghost town of the abandoned George Air Force Base barracks to get to our church facility. Most people didn't want to drive there. But every day, tens of thousands of people choose to drive in this general area. And there are many churches that would have liked to have had this opportunity to move into this place. But God gave us this gift. Think about that. He gave it to you. He gave it to me. He gave it to us. What a wonderful opportunity he's given us here to be in an area that's so strategic because people are already coming to this general area. A nice neighborhood where we don't have to worry about what's going on across the street. Well, not completely, but, you know, for the most part. Bringing us to this area where we still, even though it's a smaller place, have a place to meet and have worship services and have a place for our kids to have children's ministry going on. God has given us this wonderful opportunity. And I believe, as I've shared with some of you over the past month or so, that as he moved us from our old location to this new location, it's as if he has set our arms free to do ministry. I feel like in our old location, when it came to outreach and inviting people to come to church on a Sunday, it was really like one arm was tied behind our back because that was a tough sale to get people to come to that place for services. I feel like our arms have been set free and reaching people from this location is easier. But that doesn't mean it's easy. Amen. It's easier. It doesn't mean it's easy. Gone are the days when a church in Southern California can fling open its doors on a Sunday morning and people just flood in because there's a new church in town and everybody's looking for a church. Gone are those days. They are long gone. We can't just open the doors and expect them to come in. The younger generations, millennials and Generation Z, attend church much less than their parents and their grandparents' generations. Most of them aren't actively looking for a church to attend. They have to be reached. They have to be invited. In some cases, they have to be persuaded to come. What about the seniors that live around this area? Many of you know that COVID has changed things for seniors attending church. There are so many seniors in our community who used to attend church in person every single Sunday, and a team of wild horses couldn't keep them from church. And so many of those seniors have stopped attending in person, and they have to be reached. They have to be invited. They, in many cases, have to be persuaded to come. All that to say, if we want to see more of these empty chairs filled on a Sunday morning, 
if we want to see more families in church together, if we want to see more baptisms, more healed marriages, more people stepping up to the plate to love and serve Jesus with us, then church, there's no way around it. You and I are going to have to hustle. We got to hustle. I'm going to have to hustle. You're going to have to hustle. All God's children are going to have to. Oh, all five of you. That's awesome. I'm inspired. All God's children are going to have to. Oh, you got it. You got it. Can you end your sermon now, Dane? No, I'm not done yet. We have to hustle. Jesus Christ has set the table for us. He has done his part and then some. He did his part just by being amazing and awesome and every other superlative we could ever use to describe Jesus because the English language cannot describe how amazing Jesus Christ really is. Just by being himself, he has done more than he needs to do. But he's counting on us to come alongside him and bring in our friends and family and neighbors and co-workers and classmates and those who are lost and dying without Jesus. He's set the table for us to make a greater impact in the Victor Valley, but it's up to us to hustle to bring them in. Over the past few months, our church staff here at Impact has been working really hard to make what you see on a Sunday morning happen. Uh, making the shift to this facility on a short notice was not easy. And our staff's been working hard. Our, our media and tech team in back, uh, hardly anyone ever gives them a high five or recognition, but they're here for like seven hours every Sunday, not making a dime, just volunteering out of the goodness of their hearts. They do an awesome job. Our children's ministry team serving every single Sunday. Many have been serving every week over the last two months. We've got our hospitality team, many of them here by 6.30, spending seven hours setting up, helping with two services, breaking down afterwards. We've got some amazing volunteers doing some great work here at the church. And we've had some kinks to work out over the past month and a half. And we've had some hiccups along the way we've had to deal with. But we are now in a place where it's perfect for you to invite your friends and family to church. We are in a great place to open these doors on a Sunday morning and see all those many people come in that you know need Christ and need a good church home. If this church grows and these chairs become filled, guess who's going to make that happen? You are. You say, well, aren't you supposed to do that? You're the pastor. Well, <laughs> let me give you a quote from Warren Wearsby that this doesn't sit well with me. I hope it doesn't sit well with you either. He writes, in most churches, the congregation pays the pastor to preach, win the lost, and build up the saved, while the church members function as cheerleaders, if they are enthusiastic, or spectators. The converts are one baptized and given the right hand of fellowship, then they join the other spectators. Ouch. When it comes to the church carrying out its number one mission on earth to seek and save the lost, are you content just being a spectator here at Impact? Are you content just being a cheerleader here at Impact? I want you to think about this. Say, Dane, isn't that your job? Well, let me tell you some of what I do. Every day, one of my sermons is broadcast three times a day in a local FM radio station, 107.1. It's broadcast from Calvary Chapel, Atlanta. They broadcast one of my sermons three times a day, seven days a week. And so the sermons are getting out there. Guess how many people we've had walk through the doors over the last six months because of one of my sermons on the radio? You ready for this? As far as I know, zero. 
Well, why do we bother to do that? Because it's going over the prison walls in Victorville and Adelanto. And those inmates have FM radio access and we're preaching the word of God to inmates. Amen. That's one of the main reasons we do that. But it doesn't bring people in on a Sunday morning. Every week, our secretary, Holly, and I work hard to put together an article that we submit to the local newspaper, the Daily Press. And that article, just about every Saturday, gets placed in the religion section. They didn't put it in yesterday. They choose sometimes not to put it in. But most weeks over the last 10 years, I've had an article in that paper. And we've had tens of thousands of people read those articles. In fact, some stats that came back to us in the last two years, on a normal year, we have well over 50,000 hits on those articles. Thousands of people are reading those. Guess how many people have come into church over the last six months reading one of those articles? We probably could count them on two hands. Praise God for you, Carolyn. We have a few, but not that many. And so we're doing the work of ministry, but it doesn't necessarily mean they they come as a result of what I'm doing out there to reach thousands with the message of Jesus Christ. We put out the signs every Sunday morning. We have one family here today, right? Guys, you saw the sign. They were going down the hill to church, running a little bit late and say, we're not going to make it in time. Hey, there's a church close by. And here they are. Great to have you guys. Praise God for that. And so we put out those signs, and some people have come as a result of the signs. I think Billy's another one, saw the signs, came to church. That's awesome. Oh, Denora came because of the signs. Awesome. So that's reaching a few people, no doubt about it. Our online presence, social media, our website, online we reach some people. Through social media we reach some people that end up coming to the church. But I want to tell you just flat out, the number one reason visitors come to Impact Christian Church is because of a personal invitation from one of you. That has always been and always will be the number one reason why people came. Someone they know, someone they like, someone they have, they live life with to some extent, someone they, they respect, invites them to church, and so they come. Think about your own experience and what brought you here. Most of you came in all likelihood because someone invited you to come. So why haven't more chairs been filled recently? Simply because most of us haven't been both attending and inviting you've decided to come and see for yourself but you haven't invited your family and friends to come and see with you and the come and see message was never just for us the come and see was for us plus those we know to come and see so the only way more chairs are going to be filled in the weeks to come is if we all step it up and start inviting you say well pastor i don't have the gift of evangelism well welcome to the club i don't either that's not one of my top spiritual gifts. So why do I knock on doors? Why do I invite people to church? Why do I hand out those cards? Because I know that the stakes are high and I love Jesus. And people more than anything else need Jesus Christ. Our neighbors need Jesus Christ. Our family and friends need Jesus Christ. Our co-workers need Jesus Christ. All God's children need Jesus Christ. Let's invite our family and friends and neighbors to come to church so they can come and see Jesus for themselves. Now, back in January, our focus was to seek and save the lost. And I shared with you 10 tips 
for becoming a soul winner instead of a backslider. I want to share those 10 tips with you again quickly this morning. Some of you weren't here in January with us. That's okay. And so these will be fresh and new to you. You can go back and listen to those messages on YouTube from January if you like. Uh, Those of you who were with us in January, uh, this will be a great refresher because it's been four months. I want to go through these pretty quickly. This time I'm calling them 10 tips for inviting others to come and see Jesus. Tip number one, pray for yourself. Ask God to give you a burden for lost souls and to bless your efforts to invite others to come and see Jesus. Amen. This is something that we tend to forget every single day. One of our most important prayers every morning should be, God, I'm alive today. Here I am. I'm getting out of bed. Use me. Use me. Whatever you want me to do, use me. I don't know everyone I'm going to end up talking to today. I don't know who I'm going to run into that I didn't expect to run into. God, just use me today and use me to somehow lead people closer to Jesus. Maybe it's not leading someone in a sinner's prayer on that day, but you'll nudge them toward Jesus. You give them an invitation to church. You do something to move them to an encounter with Christ. Tip number two, once you pray for yourself, pray for others. Pray by name for the salvation of people you know who need Christ and need a good church home. My wife and my daughters can testify that as we pray together pretty much every single night, we try to do a a short devotion together and pray together before we go to bed. And I pray consistently every day for certain individuals by name, friends and family who need Christ. And I pray for them by name every day. And you know what happens if you start praying for people you know need to come to church Pray for people by name that need Christ. If you start doing that every day, you'll find that the Holy Spirit will open up opportunities for you to actually point them to Christ. And he'll give you a boldness to do that because you've been praying for him and you've been praying for yourself. It's a powerful thing when our prayers align with the will of God for someone's salvation. Pray for others by name. Could you do that? Tip number three, memorize a few strategic Bible verses about what Jesus came to do. The first three especially are important. Here, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We can memorize that one in about 10 seconds. Romans 6.23, that one's so important. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. John 3.16, most of you know that one already. How many of you learned John 3.16 years ago in the King James translation? Well, let's say it together in the good old King Jimmy translation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Most of you already know that one. God wants you to share those verses. Tip number four, learn a simple, clear gospel presentation and practice sharing it. I recommend using the bridge illustration. I taught that to you in January. If you weren't here, you can go back and catch those messages on YouTube. It was the third week in January when I shared that with you. If not, you can simply go to YouTube and just type in the bridge gospel illustration and you'll find several videos, five to ten minutes in length. They're pretty short that share with you exactly how you can on a scrap piece of paper and with a pen share a simple gospel presentation with someone that needs to hear about Jesus and how they can accept him as Savior and Lord. Tip number five, always be packing gospel tracts, church invitation cards, a good Christian book. Or a social media link. Go ahead and pull out that card that was paper clipped to your bulletin this morning. It looks like this. Okay. I want you to notice on the card the service times. What are the service times? 
Well, Pastor, didn't you say that we're switching service times in two weeks? Absolutely. So this card that I gave you this morning has an expiration date. You have one week to hand out the invitation to one person. If you wait past next Sunday, it's going to be out of date. This has an expiration date. You've got to let people know about Impact Christian Church within the next seven days because next Sunday is our last time meeting at 9 and 11. So you've got some work to do. That's the challenge this week, your homework assignment. Guys, I encourage you to pack these in your wallet. Ladies, in your purses. Notice how I use the plural because I know you ladies usually have more than one purse. Glove compartment. Have those wherever you are with you. Be packing. We don't pack revolvers usually, most of us. Most of us don't have the concealed carry permits, but you can conceal carry an invitation to church, can't you? Always be packing. Have those ready. And that's your homework assignment. Give out one of those and also one of those little gospel tracts to someone this week. Ask God, who would you have me give this to? And be bold and give it to him. Tip number six, live a consistent Christian life. Remember to humbly love, learn, and serve in plain view of others. Our example is so important. We don't want to lose credibility when we're inviting someone to church or sharing Christ with someone. So watch what comes out of your mouth when you're around others. Watch your actions. Watch your attitude. Some of us watch our words and our actions, but we've got a stinky attitude at work. And you know what? When you, with that stinky attitude, invite someone to church, they're probably not as likely to come if they say, well, I don't know where that stink's coming from. It may come from that church of yours. That pastor may stink even more, so I better say no on that one. So watch how you live in view of others. We want to be good examples and represent Jesus Christ well. Tip number seven, be intentional about building relationships with non-Christians and take the initiative to steer conversations to Christ. I want to show you something real quickly. I want you to throw out a non-religious subject of any kind. Go ahead. Baseball. Baseball. You know what? Baseball is the great American sport, right? You know what? What's the goal in baseball when you're up to plate, uh, up to bat? What, what's your goal? What's the absolute best hit that you can have when you're up to bat? Hit a home run. You know what? Speaking of home runs, Jesus Christ has created you to live a life that's a home run. Do you believe that? Oh, you guys aren't getting excited about this. No, I'm, I'm satisfied, Dane, with a single, you know, solid single, and I die. I'm fine with that. How many of you want to hit a home run with your life? Okay. Well, the Bible tells us that we can hit a home run if we follow hot on the heels of Jesus Christ. Have you heard about Jesus Christ? Let me tell you about him. I can take any subject and steer it toward Jesus because Jesus is that awesome. It doesn't matter if you're talking about a bridge. It doesn't matter if you're talking about the Lakers losing in the playoffs. It doesn't matter if you're talking about baseball. Whatever it is, you can steer a conversation to Jesus. It's not just because I'm a pastor. It's because I love Jesus. You can steer just about any conversation to him. And God has called us to do that because more than anything else that we're talking about with people that need Jesus, they need to hear about Jesus. Tip number nine, or tip number eight. Post gospel-centered content on social media. That's so important for those of you who are active on social media. Uh, don't just have cute little pictures of what you did today. Put some gospel-centered content on there. Tip number nine, bring at least one non-Christian with you to church every month this summer. This is the challenge. Every month this summer. I'm not asking you to do this through the end of 2023. I'm not asking you to do this for the rest of your life. This is a simple challenge. For this summer, can you do this? 
one a month, one a month. Some of you may say, well, I'm going to invite a family of three. If you invite a family of three, that's good enough for me. That covers you for three months. I'm okay with that, right? And so we're not trying to be tyrants here. We're just trying to raise the bar to challenge you a little bit, get you out of your comfort zone a little bit to do some great work for Jesus because the stakes are so high. Amen. So that's a challenge. You can do this. Hand out an invitation this week and invite and bring someone with you to church every month this summer. Finally, number 10, two by two, work together with one other soul winner to carry out these prior nine steps. For the past month or so, I've really been wanting to reach deeper into our neighborhood here and invite our neighbors to church. And we did this on Palm Sunday and the week before that, before our first service here on Easter. We were trying to reach a couple hundred homes, and we did that successfully. But things have been really, really busy trying to get this church off the ground in this new location. And we had those kinks to work out and those humps to deal with. But you know what? We are now in this great position to be able to invite our neighbors to church, to open the doors and see many come in. And so I want to give you a two-part strategy here where we can work together to see our neighbors invited in the next couple weeks. Here's part one of that strategy. I need you to mark your calendars. For Saturday, June 3rd, two weeks from yesterday. It's the first Saturday in June. That's the day before we have our first service with the service time changes on June 4th. And so what we want to do, we have coming in this week to the office, a thousand door hangers. And we want to reach our neighbors and invite them to our new services at 830 and 10. Amen. And so we need you to be here. Nine o'clock, just two hours, nine to 11. You say, Dane, knocking on doors. That's not my thing. So? It's not about being your thing. It's about being Jesus's thing, right? Because Jesus is more important than my comfort. And like I told you, it isn't necessarily my gift either, but the stakes are too high. We got to invite people. So here's what we're going to do. If we have a big enough team come at nine o'clock on the third, we're going to have a few people get those door hangers on our local neighbor's doors here. But I want to send others to one or two of the local parks. Maybe some of you want to make some homemade lemonade. And we take the lemonade, set up a table at one of the big parks, maybe Brewster Park in Apple Valley, and we give away free lemonade. And as they grab the lemonade, we give them an invitation to church. How easy is that? You're giving someone free stuff. It's not like you're going up, hey, can I invite you to church? You know, you give them something, and we can make this easier, and we can make it more impactful as we're out in the parks and out in our community inviting people. So I need help. I plan on being there, but I can't do this by myself. I can only talk to so many people. I got a big mouth and I talk fast, but even I have my limits. I need your help. And so that's the first thing. Now, some of you might say, well, shoot, Saturday, June 3rd. I work that day. I'm not available. I'm out of town that day. Well, praise God. I've got a plan for you. I call it plan B. Part two of this plan. You ready? You find one other Christian in this church and you partner together with that one person in any time, any day over the next two weeks. You guys invite some people to church. I don't care if you do it at Super Target. If you like Walmart better, you do it at Walmart. I don't care if you go into your neighborhood, even if you live all the way in Atlanta, that's fine. Whoever God lays on your heart to invite, even if they don't live right here in this area, that's okay. We just want to be obedient to the Lord and invite people that we know to church. And I'm going to try to get our youth mission team to join us for that on the Saturday the 3rd as well. It's going to be awesome if we can reach people together and invite them to come into church. It's going to be awesome. And so Diane, I think, is in back there. Wave to us, Diane, if you are. There she is. She's off to the side. You can see her in the shadows. 
She's got a really nice tan from this vantage point. So Diane's back there. She spent some hours over the last couple days mapping out like a half mile from this building, the neighborhoods. Some of you may partner with one other Christian and say, I want to adopt a street. Maybe it's Siskiyou right here. Maybe it's Kamana. Maybe it's over on Casota, the street that runs by St. Mary's Hospital. Maybe it's Apple Valley Road. But some of you may say, uh, me and one other, we want to adopt this street and hand out invitations. We'll get you whatever you need next Sunday. Door hangers, invitations, and you just let Diane know, and we'll know it's covered. And once again, you pick the day and time. I don't care if it's the middle of the night, but you reach that neighborhood for Jesus Christ. Well, earlier I introduced you to a sweet little lady named Grandma Liz. And Grandma Liz did something that brought me to tears when I saw it for the first time this last week. At the age of 90, knowing that her death was coming pretty quickly, she recorded a little video that was played at her memorial service. The sweet little lady with the evangelism honk honk horn had this video played for her family and friends, but it wasn't really just for her family and friends. It was for anyone that would listen. And ladies, you may need a handkerchief or a Kleenex handy because this one brought me to tears and it may do the same for you. Listen to what this sweet woman of God had to say before she went to heaven. How can I possibly follow Grandma Liz? Doesn't that say it all? One of these days, we'll breathe our last. And we'll realize that this life here on earth was just a blip on the radar screen of eternity. And there's only one of the purposes that God has given to us as Christians that we cannot carry out in heaven. And that's the mission of evangelism. The mission of leading people to Jesus Christ because in heaven everyone will be saved. There'll be no one to reach and lead to Christ. That's why it's so critical 
during our short lives here on earth to make it count. Time is of the essence. The stakes are so high. Let's get out of our comfort zone and invite people to come and see Jesus. Someone asked me a couple months ago, Dane, is this location here in Apple Valley going to be our permanent location? And I immediately responded, I hope not. Because I hope to outgrow this place. I need to find a bigger place where we can reach more people. If we don't outgrow this place, we're not doing our job. If we have to tuck our tails between our legs and go back to our old location, we're not doing our job. Jesus is awesome. And he deserves our best effort. Let's invite people to come and see Jesus and carry on the wonderful legacy of that woman with the beautiful air horn inviting people to come and see. Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name thanking you for the privilege of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. I pray, O God, that you would set a fire underneath us to speak when we've been hesitant to speak in the past. To be bold when we've not been bold in the past. To remove the excuses and tell people about Jesus because they're lost without Him. Lord Jesus, I pray if there's anyone here who has never made that decision to accept Jesus Christ, I don't want anyone to go to hell. I don't want anyone to live even one more day of their lives without being right with God through Christ. If you know you need to accept Jesus Christ today, I encourage you to go to Him right now and say, Lord Jesus, please forgive me. I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I have broken your commands. I've turned my back on you. I've lived life on my own terms. Please forgive me. Please wash me clean. Please come into my life. I confess you as my Savior and my Lord. I promise to turn from my sin and to follow and obey you for the rest of my life until you call me home to heaven. All God's people said, 